Australia. Quay Cooper for the win. It's on its way. It's on its way. It's gone. Quay Cooper is the man. Well, with us today is the stalwart of the Western Force and well-loved player over in a sea of blue, Ian Pryor. How are you today? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for me on today. Mate, absolute pleasure. Uh, what does a Thursday in the life of Ian Pryor look like at this point in the season? Huh. Uh, well, today was captain's run. So, uh, obviously, head down to the stadium, um, go through our, our thing over there, and then... Um, one of our mates, uh, Brad Lacey, lost the coffee challenge uh, mm-hmm. for the crossbar. So um, he had to pay for a few coffees after and then made into some housework. Um, I've got a couple of kids, but they're not here at the moment. They're down south with their family. So I've just been uh, putting my apron on and getting around the house, really, to be honest. Very but, smart. That's 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 a good opportunity. Um, I've managed to Shanghai the kids into bed before this chat. So I'm glad that we are, are able to be uninterrupted. Um Mate, you at the Force have had a bit of a topsy-turvy start to the season. You've had some really impressive results and then a few really close losses for at this point to be two from six within the season. But three of those games were by six points or less, those losses. Um, how are you personally and the team currently reflecting on the season at this point? Yeah, I guess um, you know, probably in terms of those uh, tight losses, you know, Super Rugby, it's pretty cutthroat and the margins are slim. So, you know, near enough isn't good enough is probably the way we're looking at it. So those couple of games we won, we did play well um, for the majority of the game. And then the couple of close losses, um, you know, that round one Brumbies game, we played well mm. for the majority of the game, except for the last sort of couple of minutes. So we sort of let it slip there. Um, this last game, obviously, we didn't get off to a great start leaked a few points and then we managed to get our way back into the game we lost by one um and then yeah i think when we when we do things we want to do we look good and when we don't do those things we we don't look too good so um yeah it's about trying to replicate effort on effort more often i guess one of the areas that was really impressive over the last last match against the Brumbies was the fact that when they had um, Tom Banks in the bin for that red red card challenge, you guys were able to put on, put on I believe it was 21 points to seven within that period, so really able to capitalise. Um, was that a specific thing you guys were talking about, about lifting the intensity and trying to move the ball around the park more than what we've seen some other teams be able to do with that one or two man advantage? Um, yeah, it wasn't necessarily too much of a focus in that point. Um, we just knew maybe it was a confidence thing. You know, you know, there's sort of one man down. There's going to be space somewhere to exploit. And yeah, I think we got a bit of a wake-up call after they scored those three tries, um, you know, and two of those were off turnover when we were looking okay in attack. So, um, you know, rugby's a game of momentum. Um, when they had it, they capitalised. And then later when we did, we capitalised. It was just came down to those small margins at the end where, you know, realistically at the end of the game, we still had an opportunity to win. We had the ball at halfway with three minutes to go. Um, and you just you just got to execute at this level, don't you? Um, yep. Especially against the quality side like the Brumbies, who at that point were undefeated in the season. So, yeah, we're uh, there's some encouraging signs, um, a little bit of polish, and I think we'll be um, you know good for the next few rounds. Well, on that point, you've got the Rebels who are travelling over to meet you guys um, this weekend. And they have obviously had a really challenging start to the season, although they did come away with a pretty comprehensive win over the Andrua in their last match. Uh, obviously, obviously aiming to come away with a win at home, but what areas of the game are you going to try and be focusing on for this match? Yeah, they um, the Rebels looked good last weekend um, against Fiji and played quite a structured game, which was good to see. 
um, which probably doesn't suit Fiji. So, yeah, I guess we sort of focused on our own backyard last couple of weeks um, rather than focusing on the opposition too much because we know if we get our corner squared away, we're going to be competitive and, you know, look to make sure we take our opportunities and build a bit more pressure. So, um, you know, this weekend, the Rebels, you know, it's going to be physical. It's going to be hotly contested around the breakdown. They've got uh, two pretty strong on ballers in their back row and Hardwick and, um, you know, Wilkin there. And then obviously Wells, he's pretty good at defending. So, yeah, we know it's going to be hotly contested, the breakdown. Um, obviously, there's a bit of history between the two teams. It always adds an extra bit of dimension in terms of mm-hmm. physicality. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's an earlier game, which is good. And the weather's meant to be holding up okay. So, hopefully, it'll be a good game of footy for um, the people to watch. Yeah, very happy it's been played over on the West Coast. It's been raining for about three months over here. So, <laughs> glad you guys are going to get some good running rugby in. Um, one of the interesting things is that... Uh, I think that the force have really had some opportunities to grow and develop in their strength of the forward pack. But as an outsider looking in, I think there's been a lot of chopping and changing within the back line. This weekend, you're going to be lining up or inside of Rishan Pasatoa. Can you tell us a bit about what it's like to be playing inside of him and some of the strengths that he brings to the game? Because we haven't seen a huge amount from him in the last couple of weeks now that Jake McIntyre's had that opportunity. Yeah, obviously, um, I got to start the first couple of games with uh, Ray and, you know, a couple of trials as well. And, yeah, he's an exciting prospect. Um, he's got all the skills, you know, kick, pass, run, tackle, likes to take the line on. You know, I think that's probably playing a little bit of 12 at, at a younger age. Gives him that versatility there and that ability and that confidence to do it. So, yeah, it's um, with those young, you know, talented tens, it's about time in the saddle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, they've got all the tricks in the book and they know, when uh, they know how to do it, it's about when to do it. And, you know, you saw that maturity in Quade Cooper in the last couple of years when he's come back at test level and almost looked like a different player in terms of his uh, maturity and game control there. So, yeah, I think he's an exciting prospect for Australian rugby. Um, you know, he's got a really good work ethic and he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders, which is the most encouraging thing. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have those two other things, that you don't really get too far. So, yeah, I'm excited to uh, be playing inside him tomorrow night. Um, and, you know, I really like how competitive he is. You know, as, as a player, he likes to be around blokes that likes to be in the contest, and he's one of those guys. So, um, yeah, he'll be good. Um, I think it's probably just been part of his development, to be honest. You know, start mm-hmm. a few, come off the bench for a few, learn a bit of game control, learn about impact and inject, all those kind of things, what calls to make. Um, and if we take a long-term view of him for, with Australian rugby, you know, he'll be up there amongst the best tens um, in the country in no time. So we've just got to nurture him right there. Yes, yeah, great. It's really exciting to see the quality young tens all across the country that um that they're, they're kind of not there yet in terms of uh, consistent quality performances at Super Rugby level, but they're definitely along that pathway and that trajectory, which is incredibly exciting to see. Um, now, after this match, you're going to be moving into, or well, you have the Super Round coming up pretty soon down in Melbourne, which will be almost the beginning of like a new element of the Super Rugby Pacific with New Zealand teams being brought into the equation. Has there been much conversation within the coaching or the playing group about uh, that element of the competition and what you might need to be doing or changing in order to succeed in the latter half of the comp? Um, no, to be honest, we haven't really had a focus on that yet. Um, we've obviously been pretty, uh, you know, focused on the Australian teams and, you know, you're in that hamster wheel once you're in the Super Rugby season. We had, I think we had four or five six-day turnarounds with travel as well in there. So we've been pretty busy trying to get our prep right and, you know, looking after everyone's bodies and, you know, detail and technical and tactical knowledge around that. So, but I'm sure the coaches have had one eye to the future and, you know, obviously as players, we watch all the footy. So 
we've seen um, what what the teams over in New Zealand look like and how they're playing this year compared to last year. And I think also just law interpretations is a big mm. one. Um, sometimes it can only be a small thing, but you know, certainly the last couple of years you've seen guys starting to get rewarded for getting on the ball and winning that race. Um, and then the offside line defence and you know how that's interpreted, how that's refed. Um, you know, and all those little intricacies that, that end up having a big a big say in the game. So, yeah, certainly I think after we get through these next couple of weeks, then um, you have to turn your attention pretty quick. But as you know, with when you play in the Kiwis, it's going to be high tempo, the skill level is going to be high, and the breakdown is where the game is pretty much won or lost against them. So making sure you're sharp around those areas um, will, will hold you in good stead as a team. I think actually um, the force demonstrated last year within trans-Tasman competition that they're one of the teams that's kind of best equipped to be playing the New Zealand, uh, to be countering the New Zealand style of rugby just within the uh, forward dominance that you try and exert over the opposition, but also at times trying to focus on that structured play, at least from an outsider's perspective. Um, you guys actually had pretty good performances overall in trans-Tasman. Was that something, I mean, you didn't get as many wins as obviously you would have been hoping for, but was there some positives taken away from those matches or at least the way in which you played? Yeah, we certainly felt like we were competitive in the majority of, their ga- of those games. Hurricanes probably was an anomaly there, but mm. certainly, you know, the Chiefs and um, the Highlanders here, we had a chance to win both those games, came down right to the end. You know, one was down to a conversion, the other one was down to, you know, almost a try, I think. So, um, yeah, certainly encouraging, but again, close enough isn't good enough. So yeah. we know what we need to do and just need to add a bit of polish there and, you know, making sure your physicality is right on and then, yeah, when you play teams like the Crusaders and, and the big boys like the Blues, you got to make sure you're at the top of your game. So I know uh, a lot of the players are actually, you know, it brings almost an extra spring in your step playing the Kiwi teams because you don't get to play them as often anymore as you used to. So, yeah, for a lot of the, especially especially the younger guys coming into Super for the first time, it's exciting for them because they've watched it growing up. They've seen how these teams play their DNA and, um, yeah, obviously getting to travel as well is quite exciting in this COVID world, uh, post-COVID world. So it'll be because seven weeks and it's finals, you know, so it's going to come around pretty quick. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see uh, how we go. And, I mean, that's got to be the goal for you guys is to be making that finals series. You're pretty well positioned at the moment. Well, you're on the cusp at the moment, sitting seventh, although you do have a game in hand over uh, a number of the teams. So with a win this weekend and then stealing a couple from New Zealand teams, then I think that that would be putting you in good stead to make that uh, a quality finals run. Um, But thinking ahead to maybe not thinking ahead, but looking at some of the performances from the newer players within a team, like Manasseh Mattielli is just, has been a revelation for the force this season. Uh, I think a lot of people were expecting him to perform well, but maybe not this well. What's he like to have in your team and to have in a camp on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, he's um, you know he's he's a, a really good player. Adds you that X factor component um, to your team, and just his ability to beat the first guy is incredible. Um, that try against the Waratahs really stands out for me. They had a really solid line, fourteen guys in line. He just somehow found a way to go through, you know, a prop and Izzy Parise, who's a really good defender. Um, so yeah, mate, he's uh, you know he's a game breaker and break it open at any point. Um, he's obviously been in a good program, the Crusaders, so it's been good to you know learn off him about his experiences over there, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, those kind of things. And, yeah, I think the reason he's obviously one of the components of him to playing so well has been ahead of performance, Anthony Catrupi. Um, you know, we call some of those outside backs the Ferraris and he sort of really worked hard with himself and Tony Pulu and, you know, 
Brad Lacey and the outside backs there to make sure they're in tip-top physical condition. You know, I think he's got personal best skin folds and scores and everything like that, and that's obviously translated into his footy. So, yeah, he's uh, he's worked hard since he's got here. He's made a good impression amongst the team and been a really good team member, um, both on and off the field. So, yeah, he's been uh, outstanding for us in that space. On that note, how is Tony Pulu after the head clash? Um, is he, do you think we might be seeing him in the following week? Yeah, he's uh, he's he's been pretty good, mate. He just said he had you know a symptom or two when they had we had to do some RA um, repeat speed testing, and that's pretty taxing on on the legs. And when you're that fast, it's probably even more taxing. So, yeah, I think because he had back to backs, then obviously you got to be a little bit more cautious with that. Um, and obviously, this is a big debate around around world sport at the moment. But rugby Australia have got you know our health and well being at the forefront, and they're they're making those calls and they're making the right calls uh, in terms of longevity. So you know he's in the Wallabies squad, and there's a reason for that. So make sure he's good to go all the way through to you know October this year. Glad to hear that he should be coming good. That's great news. Um, so just quickly moving on to the idea of maybe some of the players outside of Manasa Martello who's really stepped up. Who has, in your eyes, been somebody that's really taken a shine to the Super Rugby Pacific? I mean, uh, from, again, an outsider's view, we've seen Isaac Fines-Eliawasa, who's obviously competing with you for that nine spot, have some really great moments and kind of just build upon some of the success or expectations that we saw with him at the Brumbies. Uh, Tim Anstey, again, has got a fair bit of game time building upon last year. Are there any other players who, from your perspective, have just really shone this season? Yeah, look, you look at um, Fergus Lee Warner. He's been there and thereabouts the last few years. It's still um, hard to, you know, other than he hasn't really got the call to even go into a Wallabies camp. Um, really hard worker, you know, gets real engine room type player, gets through a lot of tackles, a lot of carries, breaks a lot of tackles too. He's like tackling a big fridge half the time because he's so thick through everything. So, Matty's been outstanding as always. Um, Jakey Strawn's been another one, our fullback. I think he's really grown each week and, you know, had a, a string of games together there. And last week was probably his best game in the, in the long mm-hmm. time. And, uh, growing up, he's played a lot of 10 and he just seems, to, as all good 10s and uh, 15s do, he seems to have time when he's on the ball there. Um, the first man, you know, he put that grubber in for Tony Pulu to pretty much score, you know, off like one second reaction there. So he's been outstanding. Tim Anthony's been outstanding. Um, Kankateka does Kankateka every week. Um, <laughs> that goes through. Gets through a lot of work as well. One of the smaller flankers, but geez, he's, he's bloody tough. Um, you know, and then um, Brown Stander has been outstanding too. So, yeah, there's uh, a bit of a mixed bag there. But, yeah, definitely I think uh, Jakey Strawn and Ferg would probably be my, my big two that stick out for me. I think if you're keeping Byron Ralston out of that 15 spot or out of a wing spot, you're doing pretty well. So Jake Strawn has really, I'm just loving, like you said, his opportunity to be getting that extended game time. We, we saw a few flashes or a few moments of him and his quality last season, but it's great for him to then now have that uh, run of games what we might do is shift across now to look some of what a lot of our fans and a lot of the force fans really want us to be chatting about um is just the big news within a force sphere at the moment about the coaching changes um with samson uh not having his contract renewed at the end of the year simon cron coming across um we might just kind of take a step back and just be looking at what um, Samson has brought to the team with your time because he's taken you f- during the NRC period back into the transition to Super Rugby. Had a couple of disrupted COVID interrupted seasons, which was incredibly hard for the force. As a coach, what has he done for you and the team that just needs to be celebrated and lauded? 
Yeah, look, nice. Sorry about that. It's been fast. Yeah, mate, I think you've, you wrapped it up nicely there. You know, he's been with the club for coming on half a decade. Um, a few of those years probably been the toughest years in the club's history, um, being part of a startup and World Series and Global Rapid and, yeah, into some sex, uh, success with NRC and Super Rugby. And, you know, he's just a quality man, um, first and foremost. Humble, plenty of integrity, hardworking, looks after those around him. Um, and that's the kind of player you want to play for as a coach. You know, he really takes interest in who you are as a person away, as well as being the player. Um, just the environment he created since he got here. Uh, we didn't have many resources when we started back up. So, you know, we had to really get a lot of buy-in from the players and the coaches. And I was lucky enough to obviously be captain working alongside him for four of those five years. So um, got to know him pretty well on and off the field and, you know, really enjoyed my relationship working with him and still enjoy it to this day. But yeah, I think he's obviously an attack coach by trade and he was his real strength is his ability to um, empower the players to take control. And, you know, he's one of those coaches that collaborates really well. It's not sort of my way or the highway. It's what are you seeing? This is what I'm seeing. Let's work together to come up with a solution. Um, and that was pivotal set to our success in winning the Super Rugby, uh, sorry, the NRC title and then making our first ever finals appearance in Super Rugby. You know, that was, there was a reason for that. And yeah, really quality man, uh, really quality coach. And yeah, just, I think, as we've seen over the last few years in, in the brutal industry that is professional sports, sometimes it's just, you know, not enough. There's always something else. And, you know, you look at Justin Langer, Ashes in a World Cup, and then he doesn't have a job the following year. There's just so many more dynamics happening in the world of professional sport. And, you know, we found out as players um, after the game, they, they sort of called us in and said what was happening. And, um, yeah, that they wanted to move in a new direction. And um, obviously it's been well uh, publicised and, you know, throughout the media that, you know, it was kind of the decision was made and didn't matter how we went this year. So um, as players, it's all above us. Um, it's above our pay grades and paychecks. So we, obviously, he's a well-respected and well-liked coach amongst the group. And, you know, it was a bit of a surprise there. But, yeah, there's obviously a, a huge motivation now to make sure we give him the results he deserves. And, you know, um, I think you saw that the outpouring of support from the, the fans and how well-respected he is in that regard. And, you can't say that about all the coaches that have been in Super Rugby in the past. Some can be quite polarising, but he's obviously, like I said, a really good man and got plenty of integrity and character and he's well-respected by players, fans and coaches alike. So, um, yeah, just it's just the brutal reality of professional sport, isn't it, sometimes? And, you know, we're, we're all humans at the end of the day, which is the yep. tough part. And there's a person, there's a family behind that too. Uh, but... Yeah, obviously, I've got a huge amount of respect for him and a huge amount of gratitude for what he's done for this club and for me personally, give me the chance to captain the club for four years, something I'll never never forget. And, yeah, grateful to be able to work alongside him as we won that NRC title and came back from, you know, almost like a professional academy team back into Super Rugby. Yeah. Mm. And look, I think that, as you said, the outpouring of love and support for Tim Sampson when the news broke uh, definitely reinforces the quality of human being that he is, which is just wonderful to see uh, within that high performance environment um, that there's still room for capable and good people as well, which is just wonderful. Um, one of the interesting things is that, so, so what you're saying is the squad knew well in advance of that kind of 3am announcement that came out from the force it was a bit of a weird timing so you guys knew before that news broke yeah so we found out on the saturday before so it was the day after our game and then obviously got released on monday i think yeah um yeah 
somehow it was it was going to come out in the media and the and the force obviously wanted to make sure they were at the forefront of that too and um yeah there's no real perfect time is there but i think obviously if you look at times and differences it must have aligned with someone on the east coast releasing a, an article is all i can imagine so um yeah again way above my pay grade as well so. <laughs> well that's good it provides a little bit of clarity for us just making sure that there was good communication with the players and the kind of management over there with the force, which is great for you guys. Um, now thinking about it, obviously we've got Simon Cron coming in. He's had a lot of experience within kind of um, shoot shield rugby. He's a son of all back scrum. No, he's the, he's the, his uncle is all back scrum coach. Got a great pedigree, been spending time over with Steve Hansen over in Japan. So he's going to be bringing a lot of experience and expertise in of different areas how excited are the team on him coming in or is, as you were saying, the focus primarily upon finishing well to send off Tim Sampson as best as possible? Yeah, definitely a bit of both. I think, um, you know, first and foremost, it's finishing the season off well and, you know, doing a job for, for Sambo for what he's done for us and how much we've all invested in. And like I said earlier, probably the thing you also forget with Tim Sampson is how many careers he's started. Byron Ralston, Jake Strawn. Uh, Isaac Vines, Andrew Deegan, Tim Ancy, Ralph, all these names, guys that might not have played Super Rugby if it wasn't for him. And they, they got to, Brad Lacey, got, they got to achieve all their childhood dreams, which is pretty special. So, yeah, huge motivation to, to finish that off. Um, and, yeah, huge focus on that. But, you know, obviously with Cronny coming in, haven't heard a bad word about his coaching yet. Um, everyone's raved about how good he is and expertise he's going to bring in um so yeah once uh once the season finishes and that changeover starts happening and you get to sort of see the guy in the flesh and get to see what he's about and and uh obviously he's renowned for his technical detail which you know as a player who's been around for a while now um for too long but uh, <laughs> good, good to like learn off different coaches and people see different things uh see things differently sorry and um yeah i've been pretty lucky with some of the coaches i've had with jake white stephen lark and Michael Foley, uh, Sambo, you know, you McKenzie, and now I get to see another coach and how someone else sees the game. And, yeah, it's really exciting for me as, as someone who's a student of the game. And, yeah, I think, obviously, the guys that are in talks about re-signing and things like that are probably excited to work with them and, you know, getting to see what if they can become um, Wallabies. Obviously, that's the end goal and to, and to win titles. So, yeah, it's an exciting time in the club's history. I've actually had this, I, I guess it's not a theory, but I'm actually really excited for the growth and development of the Western Force. Um, I'm East Coast, I'm a Waratahs fan, sorry to say that. Uh, but one of the things that's been incredibly exciting is seeing the... Um, the focus on the Western Force pathways, the alignment with the academies, um, and the the focus on trying to pick Perth-based or Western Australian players and just to grow that pathway through there. Because I think that in some ways, it's not as much of a crowded sporting environment as it might be, as it definitely is in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane. Um, so therefore, there's almost this, not vacuum, but this opportunity for the force to become the sporting team of Perth. And I think with the investment that you've got from Twiggy, with the quality of coaching staff that you had and have coming in and the quality of players you're developing, it's pretty exciting times moving forward for the force. Yeah, it's a very exciting period for us um, at the Force. Like you said, like a huge investment going on in the grassroots, the pathways. Um, you know, particularly when you look at when the Force was started in 2006 and now you're getting a generation of people come through that um, have watched the Force, grown up supporting the Force. Obviously, there was a couple of years there where 
we got removed where, you know, it sort of might have, could have fallen off the cliff, but thanks to Andrew and Nicola Forrest, that didn't happen. And now we're sort of looking to, yeah, build a, you know, a sort of a once in a generation club there. And um, it certainly is a tough uh, sporting landscape over in Perth because you've got the Fremantle Dockers and West yeah. Coast Eagles who have about 70,000 members off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure. Um, someone has to pass away before you can get a membership there. So, yeah, there's a, um, a huge... Um, yeah, competitive landscape here, but yeah, like I said, there's also a lot of opportunity. A lot of expats from different countries who are rugby buffs, like um, the English, the Kiwis, the South Africans, Argentinians, Australians. So there's a real opportunity there, and I think um, yeah, there's a generational opportunity for rugby as a whole in this country coming up with Lions, two World Cups, men and women. Um, I've got a daughter who's three years old. Um, by the time the World Cup rolls around, she'll be what? She'll be nine or ten. That's the start. Of, that's when my dream happened in 2003. I was 12 when that when that rolled around. Got to go to a couple of games with mum and dad, and still remember it. You know, vividly walking through the streets of Caxton, uh, Caxton Street there, and the different chanting and different nationalities going on. And I've, I've got a seven-month-old son as well. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting time for rugby, and I think um, the big thing is it's a launch pad. Um, for, the, for the sport there to get back in front of fans. Obviously, we've had a, probably a tough 10 years in terms of publicity and um, the game not being administered probably as well as it could have been. Um, but that's all changed now. The people that are involved seem um, pretty ready to get rugby back on its feet and thriving. And, you know, when you've got people like Andrew and Nicola Forrest involved, um, you know, anything's possible. So um, we've got a world-class stadium over here, not to stadium too, if we could host a, you know, Rugby World Cup grand final, how good would that be? um that'd be crazy i'd be very happy to uh somehow snag some tickets to get over there uh that'd be that'd be incredible (laughs) um well mate i don't want to take too much of your time because i'm very appreciative of it um at this point within the week so what we might do is wrap up with a few fan questions i've just selected um a couple of them from the tons that came in uh the first one though is a bit of a cheat it's from mitch my co-host that couldn't be here tonight because he had work (laughs) um so what he wanted to ask is how did you and the team find the transition from nrc back into super rugby because from the outside it was pretty quickly thrown together um, with a lot of players from different locations coming in what was it like to be on the inside of that transition yeah great question i think um nrc was a great stepping stone and as we've seen it um throughout you know developing people like tom banks and all these other wallabies that have come through um it's been a great tool i think once you get to super rugby the physicality certainly steps up in intensity there um, and then obviously once you start playing the New Zealand teams, it goes up, you know, another level there in terms of um, skills and physicality. So, yeah, look, I think the biggest thing was probably in that first year. Yeah, like I said, we weren't we weren't sure what was going to happen in the world when COVID hit. We just played our first game of Global Rapid Rugby in the first actual season. So, you know, I think the, uh, the team and... The organisation had prepared for that and we had a squad assembled for that. So obviously we brought a few a few guys in to sort of help shore us up uh, for Super Rugby. But again, I think we have a majority of our squad make their Super Rugby debuts. And if you did that on any team, you look at the Reds that won it um, last year, obviously. You look at five, six years ago when they were debuting, it was an easy season for them and people were saying, let's change, let's do this, let's do that. It's just cyclical. Um, and now you're going to see in the next few years those guys have now played four five six seasons of super um and we'll be much better prepared for it um you know tim sanson first time super rugby coach all our assistant coaches were first time super rugby coaches so it was a huge learning curve um and you know i think i think momentum's still a big one in rugby and i think if we had managed to 
scrape through against the Tars in that first game where we had the game under control all right up until again the last 10 minutes because we probably we were conditioned for 70 minutes which was how clever rapid rugby was and maybe the Tars knew that and then the Reds you know I think we scored three tries in the first 10 minutes against them and almost when they put them into shock but then we kind of shut up shop a little bit there maybe a bit of an experience again on the ground um, and let them back into the game they just pipped us and we could have had a totally different season that that year mm. if we got those two games off when you've got inexperienced players like that, you get a win, you get confidence, you get belief, like, geez, okay, I do belong here. I can dominate here rather than just sort of making up the numbers. So, yeah, it was uh, a good learning curve for a lot of a lot of us and we got to see where we needed to improve as, you know, in terms of recruitment for the squad, in terms of as a player, we need to improve in terms of our systems and, and our structures and our coaching. So um, that set us up, I guess, for the next year when we made our first ever final series. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good learnings. Well, mate, it's been absolutely wonderful to have the force back in the competition. I think you've added as a team just this really, uh, a, this really valuable additional element, kind of what we've seen in a way from what the Moana Pacifica and Fijian and Drua have brought when um, teams are entered into the competition, there's this excitement and buzz around them. And the force were a known factor. So it's just so good to have them and your incredible fans back in the comp. Uh, one of those fans, Julie Templar from Twitter, how are you coping with missing that one kick to break a streak of 23 successful kicks? <laughs> Yeah, I was a bit filthy there for a while. Um, obviously, it was feel like I've been kicking really well the last couple of years. One of my goals, one of my main goals, has been to be the best kicker in Super Rugby, um, and I'm I think I'm doing okay in, in that realm. So, yeah, I had sort of one eye on the record, which I think was 27 or 28 from Hayden Parker and Mike Harris. So I was pretty filthy about I wasn't going to get a crack at that. But again, I missed two kicks in two years. I can't really complain about that. So. Yeah, hopefully um, maybe I'll get close again one day. We'll see. Maybe, mate. It's been pretty impressive watching you knock him over. Uh, moving on to Michael Gardner, who asks, who is the biggest prankster within the force group? Oh, there's a few. Um, Richard kahui has got a lot of experience in that realm. Obviously, yeah. been around playing for, what, 20-odd years, give or take. So he's seen a prank or two in his time. Um, he's pretty good. Uh, house Skipper is actually a bit of a joker too, which is um, quite good to see. And um, yeah, we've got a few mate who just good at niggling. Fergus Lee Warner, um, Tim Anstey's a silent assassin. He likes sort of just niggling and walking away without you thinking, you know, or without him thinking, you know, but you know, it's him. He gives it away. So love to play poker with him. Be easy to read. <laughs> Good, good, good. Uh, and Michael also asked, uh, on more of a personal note for you, how does it feel to have been able to play over 100 Super Rugby games? Like you said before, you've been around for a while, mate. So uh, you're one of the um, veterans within Super Rugby Pacific. How does it feel kind of looking back and on some of the experiences you've had? Yeah, I guess last year when the season finished, I got to reflect on this because, yeah, once you're in the hamster wheel, it doesn't kind of stop um, preparing and recovering from games. But yeah, look, I remember um, I didn't go to a big GPS school and obviously it doesn't matter as much these days, but back then that was kind of the ticket to try and make state squads and things like that. So I was always sort of shadow and there and thereabouts. So I remember driving to labour for dad at work one day, um, you know, after I finished school and just said, you know, how good would it be to play a couple of games for the Reds at the time, which is where I grew up. Um, you know, how good would that be? That would be a huge achievement then. Uh, you know, Mackenzie sort of opened the door for me there and yeah, you know, I haven't looked back. So yeah. And then again, you, you chuck in the fact that we were removed from Super Rugby. I thought those days were done. 
in Western Force. So we went overseas to Harlequins, came back to help rebuild a club and be part of a startup. And yeah, I think just grateful is probably the biggest one. And yeah, proud, I guess, because it hasn't been easy. Um, like all careers, it's been ups, downs, injuries, clubs getting removed, um, things like that. And I didn't, ha- I haven't had the um, easiest pathway. Came through the grassroots, so yeah, really grateful for those who helped me get to where I am, and for the opportunities I've been given. And proud of the hard work and dedication I've given to my craft, and um, you know, being able to achieve something like that, which a lot of better players than me haven't been able to get to through different factors. So yeah, it's probably like gratitude and proud, I'd say. Well, mate, we see so much of that in the way that you perform week in, week out. And we have a final question here from Craig or Balumba on Twitter. Um, he's a bit of a Marcel Bracky fan, just loves him, anything to do with him. And he asks, um, are you going to be joining Marcel? And basically, are we going to be seeing you at the Force in 2023? Or do you think the call that Austin Gilgronis or one of the US or J- Japanese teams might be too uh, enticing for you moving forwards? Um, yeah, first of all, who doesn't love Marcel Brachy? Can't say <laughs> bad word about the bloke. Um, yeah, look, obviously, like all um, rugby careers, there's a few things in the works, but I'm currently in conversations with the force about extending my time here. And, you know, we, a young family was started here. We got engaged here in Perth. So, um, yeah, we're, we're quite happy here. But, again, you... You never know what might come up in, in the rugby world and whatnot, but yeah, positive uh, discussions are ongoing. They're positive so far, so and it's an exciting time to be part of the force. So um, hopefully, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks to a month and have a bit of news, a bit of good news. So yeah, we'll go from there. That'd be very exciting for me. Uh, you're my starting nine in my fantasy team. Um, so as long as you can be kicking the points and maybe if you don't mind, could you make a few more line breaks and get a couple more tries? That'd really be helping my week. <laughs> I'm, working, I'm working on it. I'm working. <laughs> Thank you. Well, again, Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the pod. Uh, best of luck for the game tomorrow. And thanks for taking time out of your week to chat with us here. No worries, Ando. Thanks very much for having me on. All the best, mate. Catch up. Cheers.